You're listening to the windowtothemagic.com podcast. Brought to you by windowtothemagic.com. Surround yourself with the magic. Hello, and welcome once again to the windowtothemagic.com podcast. My name is Paul, and as always, I will be your guide through the wonderful world of Disney sound experiences. This show is a weekly trip into the world of the Disney theme parks and resorts, and this is the place where you get to use your ears to surround yourself with the magic. Well, we're back in the window to the magic studios after our trip to Disneyland last week, and what a time we had. I met up with an old friend and a new friend for lunch at Club 33, and had a chance to get some really cool recordings throughout the parks. Now, I had mentioned before that I was going to take along my iRiver when I went up to the club, and I did. I found something out. Uh, There's really nothing to record up there. The music is very soft in the background, and the only other sounds are restaurant noises and the sounds of Disneyland coming muffled through the walls. Nothing really worth recording at all. Now, I did ride up in the elevator, which Walt had built for him in the club. But as you can tell, there's really nothing cool about that, really, other than the fact that it leads up to the club. But that's only cool if you're there, and you're not just listening. However, I did manage to record a number of things elsewhere in the parks, and I'm going to play a few of them for you today. Another thing that's going to happen this week is we're going to focus on a specific area of Disneyland, Frontierland. As a matter of fact, I have so much stuff it's going to take me this show and next week's show to cover it all. We're also going to have our first segment from Patrick Hurd of DoombuggyProductions.com. He's going to be with us in a little while. I know you're all going to love what he has put together for you, and I know I'm looking forward to hearing it. Before we begin to talk Disneyland, I have a little housekeeping to catch up on. Okay, so last week while at Disneyland, I commented that some of you had emailed and voicemailed us here, and that we would be covering those on this week's show. I'm really pleased that you all are having fun with this show, and that you're taking the time to write or record comments for me. I'm going to start with one from listener Anonymous. Ooh, how mysterious. On October 10th, uh, Anonymous wrote, I started listening to your podcast a bit ago, and it's great. Obviously, you are after high-quality audio, and you certainly deliver. But I do have a tiny, tiny complaint. A complaint? Ooh. You seem to acknowledge the wind way too often. I know it must drive you nuts, but as listeners, then I'm sure all of us understand that the wind isn't under your control, 
so if you get a rush of wind, then there's really no need to mention it. Acknowledging it so often just sucks me away from the experience. Another thing I was wondering was how your son enjoys these sound-seeing trips. It seems like you guys have to restrain from talking in order to get a good audio tour, but enjoying the day with family is what Disney is all about. Okay, well, I've got a lot of old episodes to listen to, so thanks for the great shows. And yes, you are right, the wind factor does kind of irritate me, and I do tend to comment on it a lot, don't I? Okay, so here's my promise to you. I'm going to do my best not to mention the wind anymore, and if you will please forgive me if I slip every so often, okay? Also, here's a little quick contest for you. Go back and listen to the October 8th show, which is the Live from Disneyland podcast from last week. Count how many times I say the word wind, or any version of it, such as windy. Then, once you have your answer, email me at podcast at windowtothemagic.com with the word wind in the subject line. From all the correct counters, I will pick a winner, and they will get a free windowtothemagic.com podcast t-shirt. Entries for this contest must be received by 11.59 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on October 31st, 2005. The winner's name will be announced on a future podcast. I'm going to be very busy for the next month or so, so please understand if I don't announce it immediately, as I just may have to record a few weeks' worth of podcasts so I can continue to provide you with the ultimate Disney sounds and the best podcast games. Now, as for uh, whether or not Calvin enjoys these trips, he certainly does. And we do, of course, try to uh, restrain from talking so that you guys can hear the sounds of what's going on. However, I do seem to be getting a lot of comments from people saying that they do want to hear us talking about what's going on. And so I will be attempting to do a couple of those on uh, Calvin and my next trip down to Disneyland where we just walk through the park and, and maybe have a conversation about things and and uh, what's going on. So we'll do our best, and uh, you guys can tell us how we're doing. Oh, and speaking of those windowtothemagic.com podcast t-shirts, I would like to say a big hello to Jenny, Robert, Kid Pop Rocks, and Michael T. for showing up at Disneyland on this last trip wearing their Window to the Magic shirts. It was great to get a chance to meet you guys, and I hope all of you spent your $5 Disney dollars on cool souvenirs. Thanks again. To the rest of you, we'll play this game again when I go for my next trip in November, and I will be there to film the Christmas overlays for Haunted Mansion and Small World, as well as the Christmas Fantasy Parade for our upcoming Christmas at Disneyland DVD. More details to follow. Here's a couple of emails that I got... Uh, in the last couple of weeks. TV Kirby writes, Thanks again for a great walk in the park with Podcast 12. Where is the rest of your trip? I want more. Well, there is certainly more, Kirby, and I realize I said that I might upload more on Saturday night during my trip. But to be honest with you, both Calvin and I were so tired on Saturday night that we left the park immediately after dinner. Hey, a special shout-out to Emily H. over at the Rainforest Cafe in downtown Disney for the outstanding dining adventure that night. Woohoo! what a trip. Anyway, we went back to the hotel room right after dinner and went right to bed. 
By the way, folks, uh, when you're thinking of getting a hotel when you visit the Disneyland Resort, please give the Hyatt Regency Orange County a try. I stay there all the time, and I've never had a bad experience. That's not a paid advertisement, that's just my honest opinion. Okay, now Kirby goes on to say, I was sitting in my cubicle at work late this afternoon, and instead of row upon row of programmers, I found myself shot at by darts and having Indiana Jones hanging above me. Such a wonderful experience. I particularly enjoyed hearing Phantasmic starting, while also hearing the Indiana Jones sounds. It really helps with the true life sound experience. Now I just wish I could actually see Phantasmic one of these years. Oh, that's great, Kirby. I'm glad to hear that you're able to enjoy my shows to such an extent. I love getting emails like these. Uh, just don't get fired for daydreaming, okay? Anyway, Kirby continues, I am still curious as to how you handle the microphone, though. I don't hear a lot of voices around you of people pointing and laughing at the man with the microphone sticking it out of his hat or ear, etc. How do you handle it in such an unobtrusive yet such wonderful way? Oh, that's a trade secret, Kirby. I tried to convince listener Carl that I had a 12-man team following me around with microphones and mixing equipment. Yeah, he didn't believe it either. Michael L. was asking the same thing. Tell me everything, he writes. Obviously, episode 12 is a bit gorilla, but what do you use for editing? I mean, this episode blew me away. For many, many years, I've attempted similar ambient sound recordings through my lifetime, with mixed results. There are things about episode 12 that are just so amazing to me that I had to write you. Honestly, folks, there's no special equipment being used to do my podcasts. It's just standard equipment which can be purchased at any local electronics store. And a love for great sound. Now, Tavis from Lakeport, California, writes in, Hi again, Paul. Another fantastic show. I loved how you started on Interstate 5 and recorded all the way into the park. I worked in the parking lot while I was going to college, Watching DCA being built from the dirt up is a memory I will never forget. It was great hearing the old tram sequence again on Window to the Magic. You had commented about the trains running in pairs, and I just wanted to let you know that you are correct. It is a procedure used during times of high volume. It's called wolf packing. During the time they use a maximum number of trains, which is 10, and they run them in pairs. So from one Disney fan who loves learning and passing on Disney trivia info to another, best wishes and keep up the great work. Thanks, Tavis. I never figured I would get anyone emailing me with an answer to a passing comment like that, but I am glad that you did. That's very interesting and nice to know. Wolf packing. Cool. John, a 16-year-old listener from Kings Mountain, North Carolina, comments, I'm very glad that I found your podcast. The more I listen to it, the more I like it. I've gone back and listened to all the programs and have really enjoyed them. I have never been to Disneyland. I've just been to Walt Disney World. I have a good time listening to the attractions at Disneyland. I loved in show number seven when you played the Bayou Brass Band. I hope you continue to record the bands. I really enjoyed it. Well, John, you're in luck. 
I spent most of my time at Disneyland this last time, recording the many musical offerings found in the various areas of Disneyland. When I first entered Disneyland on Saturday morning, I got to enjoy a rather unique piece of musical fun. The Mad Hatter from Alice in Wonderland had taken over the conducting duties for the Disneyland band with rather interesting results, and he had the entire crowd jumping up and down to the beat of this piece. Interesting, huh? Alice actually fell on the ground after they were done with this number. She was so exhausted. It was fun to see the characters creating their own Disney magic. They really should encourage this type of behavior from the characters in the park. It really adds a lot to the fun for the first time and seasoned visitors alike. Here's an interesting email that I got from Joey R. about his Disney-related blog. He writes... Hey Paul, it's Joey again. I just wanted to see if you could help me out a little bit. Recently, a friend and I started a blog called The Adventures with Barker Bird and Mark Twain. Every few days, or week, or whatever, we write little short mystery stories about Disneyland Park. Right now we are in beta mode, if you will, since we are testing some stories to get some feedback to see if people like it. So far, so good but we really want to reach a larger audience than what we have now. I was wondering if you could take a look at it and then possibly mention us on your podcast. It would be great to get more people to read and get lost in the world of Disneyland. The address of this blog is http colon slash slash barkerbird.blogspot.com Now, this is not a podcast, although I think that they should consider doing it as one. It's text entries where they tell stories and such. If this sounds interesting to you, please give them a look. Again, that's barkerbird.blogspot.com. And one of my other listeners, Dee Dee, wrote to me and said, I just wanted to send you a super extra bravo. 
The podcast of the NFFC interviews with Kathy Beaumont and Axitensio was superb. I enjoyed it so much, I listened to it two times in a row and was going to listen to it a third time, but it was 3 a.m. This was such a nice thing to play for those of us who will probably never make it to an event like this. The rawness of the interview and the truthful and humorous stories told was just a dream to hear. Furthermore, it's so wonderful to hear all of the people's reactions to these stories and the recitations of lines from the attractions. It really made me feel as if I was not alone in my obsession of all things Disney. Oh no, you're not alone, trust me. I listen to many Disney podcasts and I love them all, she says. But yours is truly an original. Thank you. Keep it up. You have a fan forever. Thanks, Dee Dee. I really like the fact that you guys are enjoying this show so much. Oh, and an update about my talks with the NFFC, about bringing you more of the NFFC-based shows. I have finally heard back from Kim, and the NFFC is currently discussing with their lawyers about the legal ramifications of letting me continue to share the sounds with you that are recorded at the NFFC conventions. Lots of legal stuff going on regarding contracts, appearance rights, copyrights, etc. Once the NFFC figures it all out, hopefully they will understand the great, not to mention free, opportunity that they have here to share the magic they created with the rest of the world. And if they get a few more members out of the deal, so much the better. I'm going to keep you all posted. Now, here's a voicemail from Pam. Hi, Paul. My name is Pam, and I live in Edmond, Oklahoma. I used to live in Southern California, so I'm a regular Disney person, but now I only get to visit Disneyland about once a year, which is a bummer. But I just recently discovered your podcast, and I've been catching up on the old episodes, whatever they're called, <laughs> and I have some comments. Um First of all, you had asked about if we would be interested in hearing the different bands and musicians in Disneyland, and I just want to say yes. That's one of my favorite things about Disneyland, and whenever I'd be walking around and see people performing, I would always have to stop and listen. And it's just, It was really a great atmosphere. And when I get to listen to it on your show, it's, I listen to it at work on my iPod, and it just makes me happy and Helps me get through the day better. Um, I don't remember which show it was, but you had talked about the People Mover. And I just want to say I love the People Mover and the music. Yeah, it was really corny, but it was really fun. I enjoyed it. And my memories of that are me and my sister when we were younger. We would always ride the People Mover to check out what each other had bought in the gift shops and to count our money that we had left. And also, the monorail. Um, my favorite part of the monorail was riding it to the hotel and eating at the monorail cafe. And I really missed that. We went a couple of years ago thinking, okay, we're going to ride the monorail to the cafe. We get off the monorail and it's gone. <laughs> I don't know why they would close that. It was a great little restaurant. We always like to get the malts. And my last question that I have for you is, do you have any audio recordings of Captain EO? Because if you do, I really enjoy hearing that on one of your shows. And that was it. I hope you keep going with your shows a long time. I really enjoy them. Thanks a lot. Bye. 
Wow, Pam. <laughs> Are you single? <laughs> uh, you sound like the perfect girl for me. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> wow. You love the bands in the park, the people mover, the monorail cafe, and Captain EO? <laughs> well, maybe I wasn't kidding. <laughs> well, anyway, thanks, Pam, for the voicemail. And yes, I do have stuff from EO, and I will do my best to get it on a future show for you. Now, keep me honest, please. If I haven't played Captain EO for you by Christmas, please email me again. I'm not always the best at remembering things, so don't be afraid to ride me on this one. I'll play it for you. Another listener, who didn't give their name, wrote to me and said, I hope I don't jinx anything with this email, as the last few emails I've sent to other podcast hosts have resulted in their forthcoming inactivity. Anyway, keep up the great work of the show. It just seems to get better and better each week. It would be great if we could get more exclusive audio included in future shows like this one. They really help make the podcast stand out above the rest. Well, thanks very much. I'm looking into pulling a few strings to try to get some exclusive interviews to play for you guys. When I put my mind to something, well, as my friend Dave says, you're only limited by what you think you can achieve. So stay subscribed to Window to the Magic. Lee sent in an MP3. Hello, Paul. This is Lee. I've been listening to podcast for a while here. Anyway, uh, I just stopped by Busyland for lunch sticks. I happened to be in the area and had my accent with me, so I thought I'd give you a shout-out from the park live here. I wish I could see you on Saturday, but I'm going to miss you because i uh, got to work. But I got one of your T-shirts, and I've really been enjoying your show. Anyhow, I'm going to take a quick ride here on the uh, Disneyland Railroad over to New Orleans Square, grab some lunch. And then head home for work. Anyway, I appreciate what you've been doing. Thanks again, and I look forward to hearing more of your shows. Take care. Bye. Thanks for the sound clip, Lee. I find it really interesting when others record clips at the park and send them in. Hey, here's an idea. If you can and you want to do this, please record yourself out at the park and send it in to me. You could even record a short Where in the Park if you want. If I get any of them, I'll share them with the others on the show. Extra points, uh, whatever that gets you, <laughs> for being in a different park, such as Walt Disney World, Tokyo Disneyland, Paris, anywhere. Oh, and here's another chance to win a Window to the Magic podcast t-shirt. Email me with your first name and where you live. I will be giving a free t-shirt to the person who lives closest to me, the person who lives the farthest from me inside the United States, and I will give a final shirt to the person who lives the farthest from me outside the United States. Send in an email to podcast at windowtothemagic.com with the subject, I live here. All entries must be received again by 11.59 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on October 31st, 2005 to be considered for this contest. Oh, actually, I'll pick another winner at random, so even if you think you won't win one of the other categories, send me in an email with your name and your location. You never know. As the last email for this podcast, and I can hear a sigh of relief coming from my friend Nancy as I say this, she thinks that I yap too much, as she puts it. This last email is from Michelle from Littleton, Colorado, and she writes... 
I just wanted to let you know how much I enjoy your podcasts. I really do feel like I'm right there in the park. I was just listening to episode 8 again, and I found myself grinning from ear to ear as I was riding Soren over California. I can't wait to ride Soren when I'm at Disneyland Resort next week. Oh, I'd love to hear Billy Hill and the Hillbillies on the show sometime. Well, Michelle, be careful what you ask for, as you just might get it. As I mentioned at the start of this podcast, this is a Frontierland-themed show. To that effect... Every country has its legends, and in America, the biggest legends are about the Old West. The West was America's frontier, where men of iron took their destiny into their hands and carved a country out of the wilderness, risking their lives for the things that made this country great. Of course, they never could have done it without this kind of entertainment. Disneyland's Golden Horseshoe Review is a modern reminder of how the West was fun. Thanks to a dedicated group of performers, the show has been going strong for 30 years. So kick the dust off your boots, park your guns at the door, and step backstage to the legendary Golden Horseshoe Review. Howdy, folks. Walt Disney loved the Old West. It was one of his favorite movie settings. So it was only natural that when he was building Disneyland in the early 1950s, Walt wanted to recreate life in the West. Visitors to Frontierland would find gunslingers slinging, Indians whooping, and mine trains clanging through a replica of the painted desert. Another of Disney's great loves was vaudeville. As a young man in Kansas City, he performed with local vaudevillians even before he made his first cartoon. And so vaudeville came to life in the Golden Horseshoe Saloon in a stage show inspired by Disney's cartoon, Pecos Bill. Pecos Bill came to life in the person of Wally Bowl. You want to see my fast draw? Yeah! See it again? Wally was with the show from opening day in 1955 until 1982. How did I get started at the Golden Horseshoe? Well, it was uh, in June in 1955, and a friend of mine, Donald Novus, had just signed a contract with Walt Disney to open a little uh, vaudeville show at a place called Disneyland. It's going to open next month, July 17th. And he says he's looking for a comic, and I've been working with, uh, with Donald for two years in Australia. And uh, so I had an audition for Walt Disney. With an empty stage out there at the studio, I brought in a little bag. I had the bagpipes and the ventriloquist doll, and I did, uh, I did a little, little eccentric dancing. And uh, let's see, I told some jokes, and I did a, a routine with balloon animals, you know. I've made quite a name for myself doing this, and I don't like it either. But, you don't blame me. But this is one of the reasons Steve Martin really enjoyed me, because uh, when I first started with Steve, he was about 12 years old and used him on a few shows. And he picked up on some of these and made some fantastic hats with balloons but I started with an elephant looking something like that. <laughs> oh, it's nothing I can tell by the applause. Now, let's, uh... <laughs> nothing. Hi, <laughs> little French poodle. I had to sell my dog. He ran in front of a streetcar and it cut off his tail. I sold him wholesale. I couldn't retail him. <laughs> Remember my name, Wally Bogue. You'll be reading about me in the newspapers I smoke in bed. <laughs> <laughs> It was just Walt looking at me the whole time, you know. After it was all over, he says, well, we're opening a little park out in Anaheim. It's going to be a family show. 
So I said, well, okay, well, I can clean the act up. <laughs> and so I did, and uh, I signed a, a two-week contract, and 27 years later, I retired. <laughs> Wally Bull brought Pecos Bill to life. But who really put the life in Pecos Bill? Why, it was a little gal named Slewfoot Sue. And there's a lot of life in Sue, especially the way Betty Taylor plays her. We are proud to introduce Miss Betty Taylor. Hello, everybody from Maine to California. This is the Golden Horseshoe. The show is mighty spicy. We thought we ought to warn you. April, June, and January, who's the guy we're going to marry? If you are a stranger, just uh, I've been in the business since I was 12 years old. I worked with Les Brown, Henry Bussey, and Red Nichols. And I also went up to Las Vegas and worked with Frank Sinatra, which was quite a thrill for me. I was a production singer. And uh, then I worked with the Sons of Pioneers, the original ones, on a TV radio show for four years. And then they called and asked if I wouldn't go come out here and audition. And I said, uh, well, who wants to work at Disneyland? And so finally I came out here, and it's been the, the nicest job I have ever had in my life. Yes, gentlemen, I want you all to know I'm looking for a big city boy. 29 years, I'm going on 29 years, and um, they hired me for uh, four weeks, and then they signed me up uh, permanent um, 1956, October 29th, and it, it, time has gone so fast. Walt Disney had once again created the chemistry for a hit show. A 1963 television special celebrated the Golden Horseshoe's 10,000th performance, and Walt looked every bit the successful saloon keeper. Howdy, folks. I'm glad you all could be with us for the 10,000th performance of the Golden Horseshoe Review here in Frontierland in Disneyland. One of the Golden Horseshoe's best customers was the owner. Walt Disney really adored this show because Walt had produced animations and, and films, but he never done a stage show before. So he loved the Golden Horseshoe Review and he'd show up all the time. And, he always brought a party. You never know who's going to show up. That's Walt's box right over there. You see, one day he Matter shows up. Matter of fact, when he came in, in a harbor gate, they would phone over here immediately, and then no one would be put in Walt's right. box because he knew we once, knew he'd be here sometime during the day. Once Walt's in the park, that box is steading for him. As a special favor to you and all the other Billy fans out there, I made a special trip to the Golden Horseshoe on this past trip. I'm going to play just a little bit of what I recorded on what was my first time seeing Billy Hill and the Hillbillies. I had the opportunity to sit in Walt's booth, which is really a neat way to see the show. It was kind of weird though, to be honest. As I sat there in the booth, I could almost feel Walt's presence there still. I could almost see him sitting there, smiling and watching as the show began. In case you're wondering, I had a blast.
experience that was. Man. And from what I hear, they swap roles and shows, so you can go back and see the show many times and it'll always be fresh and exciting. I'm looking forward to my next trip to the Golden Horseshoe. Now, as I promised, I'm going to try something new. I'm going to turn the show over to my friend Patrick, and he's going to spend the next 17 minutes of this podcast with you, telling you about, well... I'm going to let him tell you. Take it away, Patrick. Hey, everyone. This is Patrick Hurd from DoombuggyProductions.com, and I'm going to be your guest host today on this Frontierland-themed podcast. Now, I'd like to talk to you about Nature's Wonderland. Howdy, partner. This is Rainbow Ridge, and for fun and excitement, you'll never forget. Why don't you take a mine train ride? Reckon you'll agree there's nothing like the Rainbow Caverns in the whole wide world. Aboard our little mine train, you'll head out through a natural arch bridge and into Rainbow Desert, a wasteland just chock full of thrilling surprises, rattlers, a pesky coyote, and some of the strangest-looking cactus you ever laid eyes on. If you're lucky, you might get past the teetering rocks. 
Then you'll plunge deep into the darkness of Rainbow Caverns for a sight that'll thrill you right down to your toes. Tons and tons of water, every color of the rainbow, pouring down from above on every side. Yes, sirree, partner. You'll be real glad you tore out that little old sea coupon for the Rainbow Caverns Mine Ride. My first trip to Disneyland was in 1979. Unfortunately, that was two years after Nature's Wonderland had closed, so I completely missed out on that attraction. Fortunately, when an old attraction is replaced, the Imagineers like to pay tribute to that retired attraction. Take, for example, Star Tours. There's a couple of great tributes to Adventure Through Inner Space in that ride. In the droid room area of the Star Tours queue, if you look down below the G2 droid repairing R5, you'll spot a blue control panel that another R2 droid is standing next to. Now that control panel was originally one of the housing boxes from one of the Adventure Through Inner Space queue area dioramas. Also, once you're in the attraction, as your Star Speeder exits the hangar, you'll notice just before the Star Speeder exits, it flies right past the Mighty Microscope. Big Thunder was no exception to this practice. The rainbow pools in the first lift hill are right out of the rainbow caverns. And the T-Rex bones at the final splashdown? Well, they originally appeared in the desert portion of Nature's Wonderland. You know, I hear tell a long time ago dinosaurs roamed this area. Of course, all you find now is cactus, snakes, and coyotes, and sometimes the sun-bleached bones of an ancient animal. Finally, the entire town of Rainbow Ridge was repainted and rearranged and can still be seen at the end of Big Thunder. Mind your manner, Sandhog. This here's a respectable place. We have good, clean fun here every night but Sunday. Well, that's fine with me, ma'am. I'll be back on Sunday. <laughs> Del McKinnon, who was the conductor on Nature's Wonderland, can also be heard doing the safety spiel on Big Thunder. Howdy, folks. Please keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the train and remain seated at all times. Now then, hang on to them hats and glasses, cause this here's the wildest ride in the wilderness. Now other than that, not a whole lot's left to let you know that Nature's Wonderland was ever there. Unless you know where to look. Nature's Wonderland took up a huge amount of real estate in Frontierland. In fact, it occupied more than half of that land. Now, instead of removing everything, they only took out what they had to. The rock work that flanks the Big Thunder Barbecue and Ranch, well, those are the base rocks from Balancing Rock Canyon. The wrecked train that you see when you take a ride on the Mark Twain is an actual train from Nature's Wonderland, and it's still on the original track. Those tracks off the port side lead to Big Thunder Mountain, site of the biggest gold strike in these parts. But in spite of its riches, that mine's been riddled with trouble and strange happenings for as long as I can remember. I, for one, am not the least surprised. This area is the outskirts of a sacred Indian ground. Though I myself am not prone to superstition, some folks believe that restless spirits have taken over the mountain itself. It looks more like a family of restless marmots have taken over that wrecked train. 
the marmots popping up and down in the train's ore cars used to live above that boarded-up cave opening by the McDonald's fry cart. The cave opening itself led to the Big Thunder Falls, and some of the original Nature's Wonderland train track can be seen there as well. Finally, if you head up Big Thunder Trail, you'll see a cave opening at the far end of a large pond. An old bridge used to extend across that pond, and the entire area was filled with bears and jumping fish. If you take a minute and sit there and watch the water, you're going to see one or two of those jumping fish are still there. Several of the animals from Nature's Wonderland actually were reused in other areas of the park. A mountain lion from the Nature's Wonderland desert area was redressed as a panther and can now be seen from the Disneyland Railroad as your train passes through Adventureland. A bunch of little birds in the Tiki Room had originally been created as additions to the Rainbow Caverns, but the ride closed before they could be added, so they were installed into the Tiki Room instead. Now, an obscure refugee from Nature's Wonderland is a sound clip. Take a ride on Splash Mountain. When you get to Br'er Bear's house, you'll hear him snoring inside. While that audio track of Br'er Bear snoring had been previously used for Rufus the Bear snoring in his cave above Bear Country. Before that, that audio track had been used as a snoring miner in the Rainbow Ridge area of Nature's Wonderland. What's really cool is this particular audio clip started its life out as Sleepy the Dwarf in the original version of the Snow White attraction when Disneyland first opened in 55. So the next time you're at Disneyland, take a ride on Splash Mountain. You can experience a little history from Nature's Wonderland, Bear Country, and Fantasyland from 55. Now that's cool. Now I'm sure some of you are wondering what happened to the rest of the Nature's Wonderland animals. Well, I'd like to tell you they were relocated to other areas of the park, or that they moved them to the Imagineering Archives in Glendale, but I can't. At the time that Nature's Wonderland was removed, Imagineering didn't have a large enough facility to house old animatronic animals, and they really didn't know what to do with them. So the next time you're at Disneyland, pop over to the Big Thunder Ranch and Barbecue and pay your respects to the Nature's Wonderland animals. No, they're not cooking them up in the kitchen. They were buried underneath the ranch. Now, before I hand you back to Paul, I'd like to play you a short clip from Nature's Wonderland. This is a live recording that was done by Walt Disney Imagineering just prior to the attraction being removed. Um, it was done for archive purposes, and it's actually a really cool listen considering it's a live recording of Nature's Wonderland before it left the park. So here you go. Howdy, folks. Welcome to the little mining town of Rainbow Ridge, the gateway to Nature's Wonderland. As we head for the wilderness, a couple of suggestions. Please stay seated at all times and keep your hands and arms inside the train. The animals get mighty hungry. And uh, no smoking, please, because we don't want to start a forest fire. Now, beyond these hills lies nature's wonderland. 
you're apt to see a whole lot of wildlife, so keep a real sharp hunter's eye. As we come out of this first tunnel, we'll be entering Beaver Valley. Looks like the beavers are building another dam. Yes, sir. They're really busy as a... Well, busy as a beaver. Them little marmots over the tunnel must be a whistling to all you pretty gals. I can't say I blame them. If you've never gone beneath a waterfall before, then get set. Because we're coming up on Big Thunder, the biggest falls in all these here parts. You don't have to worry, though, unless the wind changes. Them other two falls they call the twin sisters. Reckon that's because they're always babbling. Coming into bear country now, folks. And while we're crossing the old trestle, you gotta sit real still. No telling how long she's gonna last. You know, bears are one of the most playful animals there is. Lazy, too. All they want to do is lay around and scratch and fish and swim. <laughs> that is, when he ain't sleeping. You know... Nature's wonderland is awful pretty, but sometimes she can be a mighty rugged place to live. Out here in the wilderness, the struggle for survival leaves only the strong and sometimes the lucky. See, look on that bank across Bear Creek there. Now there's a real struggle for survival. Two stags are battling for them cow elk. Maybe you folks can tell me, though, does getting two women folk mean you're the winner or the loser? <laughs> Never could figure that out. As we pass through old Natural Arch Bridge, you can see the great living desert down below. You know, the desert's a dry place and full of some pretty mean varmints. You gotta be careful of sidewinders, wild pigs, and even mountain lions. But the desert's got her beauty, too. The yellow streaks are running through them sandstone cliffs are called Coconino. The red, we call them Supai. Now ahead of us, folks, is a giant saguaro cactus forest. 
The desert heat sometimes gets to you and makes these here catches take on strange shapes like animals and mm, sometimes even people. there on your left. Them wild pigs is caught up with old Mr. Bobcat. <laughs> He's in kind of a sticky situation. Say, uh, ever hear the devil's paint pots? Real mystery of the desert. Bubbling pots of mud in all kinds of colors. This is geyser country, too. Oh, oh, there she blows. Sure glad you all brought your raincoats. But look out now. We never know when she's going to go off. That's why we call her Old Unfaithful. Look out now. <laughs> you folks in them last cars be ready. She's a-threatening again. You know... I hear tell a long time ago dinosaurs roamed this area. Of course, all you find now is cactus, snakes, and coyotes. And sometimes the sun-bleached bones of an ancient animal. There's the voice of the desert, the coyote. Now, folks, we gotta get through Balancing Rock Canyon. Look out! They're starting to tumble! Watch that wildcat, lady. Oh, <laughs> glad he stayed up there. We've known these critters to take on a full-grown deer more than ten times their size and weight. You know, last trip, a mountain lion showed up right over that tunnel. There's one now. So you better all be real quiet. Now we're going deep into the earth to view the dazzling rainbow caverns. You see giant stalagmites, stalactites, and colorful falls on every side. Say, if you look real careful, you'll see Geyser Grotto and even the Witch's Cauldron. Well, I see we're coming back to Rainbow Ridge again. 
I hope you all enjoyed your trip into nature's wonderland. Uh, please stay in your seats till I get the train stop, will you? And then just lift up the jump seat in the middle and the door will come right open. Now, to find the exit, folks, just head right for the front of the train. And if you got a mountain lion sitting next to you, don't feed him. Just tell him to hop out and hightail it back to his own stomping ground. <laughs> well, thanks for riding along, and come on back again when you're out in these here frontier parts, will you? So long. Cool, huh? I love listening to that track. All right, folks, until next time, this is Patrick Hurd from DoomBuggyProductions.com, and I'm going to hand you back to your host, Paul Berry. All right. Well, thanks, Patrick. You know, when I talked to you about doing a segment on the show, I had only one stipulation. One simple stipulation. Don't do better than me. Well, why? Oh, why? Didn't you listen? I said don't do better than me. Not blow me out of the water with your creative and interesting segment. Well, fine. If you insist on being fun and exciting, do me a favor, Mr. DoombuggyProductions.com. Whip up something for the window to the magic listeners for Halloween, why don't you? Let's see what you can do. As a matter of fact, Mr. Smarty Pants, you can have the whole show to yourself on October 29th. Let's see what you got. Do you folks agree with me that Patrick is a great addition to the podcast? Should I keep him around? Send me an email at podcast at windowtothemagic.com and let me know. I will forward all comments to Patrick, so be sure to let us know what you think. Okay, so did you folks know that there was a show, just like the old Golden Horseshoe Review from Frontierland past going on over in Tokyo? That's right, give this a listen.
Interesting, huh? Well, as far as I know, that show is no longer running over in Tokyo. <sighs> oh well. But according to the official Tokyo Disneyland website, things are still hopping over at the old Diamond Horseshoe. According to the website, the Diamond Horseshoe is a rowdy, western-style table service saloon owned and run by Slewfoot Sue. At lunchtime, Woody and Jesse from the Disney Pixar film Toy Story 2 star in a lively lunch show filled with singing, dancing, action, and laughter. Then in the afternoon and evening, Pecos Goofy rustles up some frontier-era fun by showing off his roping talents for the dinner crowd in Pecos Goofy's Frontier Review. The show also features a dance troupe performing the Can-Can, direct from Paris and a stage appearance by none other than Mickey Mouse. I'm told that reservations are required for all performances, and that the reservations window is just to the right of the entrance. So if you're at the Tokyo Disneyland Resort, and you want to have a little Frontierland fun, stop by the Diamond Horseshoe. And finally on this show, I'm going to test your memory. Do you know who this is? Hey, Klondike! More Fritos! The best corn chips made! That is the Frito Kid, and he was a feature at the old Casa de Fritos in Yester Frontierland. Someone else knows what's good. Another bag of Fritos, Klondike. Okay, coming right up. One bag of crisp salted Fritos. Apparently, if you put a coin into the Frito Kid display inside the restaurant, a little mini show would happen and a pack of Fritos would come out for you to enjoy. Hey, Klondike! How about digging another bag of Fritos? Here they come! Those delicious golden chips of corn! Sounds like fun. Got a customer? Send up another bag of Fritos, Klondike! Okay, so that brings this 
Frontierland edition of the windowtothemagic.com podcast to a close. I would like to thank this week's co-host, Patrick of doombuggyproductions.com for his contributions, and I look forward to hearing the Halloween show. Be sure to join us here next week when we delve just a little further into the Frontierland experience and we play another Where in the Park game as well. We will talk about more of the attractions in Frontierland next week, and we might even hear a little more from Billy Hill and the Hillbillies. And we continue to receive some great suggestions, and we're having fun using them in our shows. We always like to hear your feedback. Be sure to write us and tell us what you think. Our email address for questions, comments, and suggestions is podcast at windowtothemagic.com. The windowtothemagic.com telephone hotline is 206-984-9886. That's 206-984-WTTM for Window to the Magic. You can use this line if you prefer to call us and leave us a message up to five minutes in length. This is where you call if you want to hear your voice on a future show. And if you're downloading these shows manually and you want to make things easier on yourself, just add us to your iTunes or other podcast aggregator software. That way the shows come to you automatically, without any effort from you. This has been Window to the Magic Podcast Lucky Number 13. Thanks very much for subscribing and for taking the time out of your busy day to listen to our show. We hope you're enjoying yourself, and we'll see you next time. Bye.